Hello and welcome to this download from Faber. My name is George Miller, and my guest today is Stav Cherez, whose new crime novel is entitled The Black Monastery. A Greek detective on the point of retirement, two English crime writers, and a series of brittle ritualistic murders on a Greek island with a dark past, come together in Stav's new book, along with some gruesome scenes which will change the way you look on the humble centipede forever. I asked Stav first if he knew from the start of his writing career that crime fiction was the genre for him. Not at all. My agent told me my first book was a crime novel, and that's how I found out I was a crime novelist. But my primary concern as a writer is violence and how we represent it and how we deal with it and what it tells us about ourselves. And so for me, the natural repository for that is the crime novel, because one, you can get away with much darker, more horrible stuff than you could ever get away in a mainstream novel. And two, the crime novel at its essence deals with the repercussions of violence, so not necessarily always so well. There are some very graphic scenes in the book. Mm. I wonder how you got yourself into the right <coughs> mental space in order to, mm. to tackle those, those very violent images. This is my kind of love story book. Compared to my first novel, Devil's Playground, which dealt mainly with the Holocaust and snuff movies, this was, dare I say, rather easy and not too horrible. Unfortunately, my head's full of that kind of stuff all the time. And so it's more kind of getting it out on the paper actually helps me rather than me having to kind of build up to write that kind of scene. So unfortunately, I think I've got the right temperament for writing kind of dark crime. Your first novel was set in Amsterdam and this new book is set in Greece. How did you gravitate towards Greece for this one? I was on holiday in Greece. Devil's Playground had just been published. I was actually working on a different story, which I thought might become my second novel. And I hadn't been to Greece for like 10, 15 years since I was kind of a teenager. And while then it struck me as great fun, sun, sea, sand, it kind of took on this time when I went back there, it took on a very different aspect. It kind of, there was a mysterious, sinister kind of sense to everything, the way those islands are very insular, the way everyone's very closed up, the kind of labyrinths, the actual nature of the architecture, the way everything's kind of twisted and all that. And so that kind of got me to begin thinking about, yeah, I'd like to write a book set here. There was also a lot of history on the islands, which is something I always look for. And one of my favourite books ever is The Magus by John Fowles. And so I've always kind of wanted to write a book set on a small insular island. And then I had, um, I was in my hotel room and I saw a centipede crawling up my curtain and it really freaked me out. And then I knew centipedes, Greece, that could work. Yeah, I'll, n I'll never be able to look at another centipede with innocent eyes again after reading this book. They they really have a sinister part to play. <laughs> I, c I can't look at them at all, period. I'm totally scared of insects. It's my one phobia. I mean, centipedes, so not being technically insects, share enough of those characteristics. Just seeing it brought out this atavistic kind of sense of fear in me. And I kind of understood then on a subconscious level that it would work in a book because there is something very strange about them in the way the legs and everything, something that's both very kind of human and yet totally alien. As you say, the island has got a, a sinister aspect to it. There's the contrast between the tourist resort by the sea and the hinterland, but also within people themselves, the, the inhabitants of the island, there's a sense of, of the mask and the front and then something much darker behind it. 
I think Greece is very like that. I think especially the islands. I mean, obviously we ourselves are an island country, but those small islands tend to be even more insular than us. Because they've been cut off from the mainland, they still kind of, not to generalise too much, but a lot of them still live in a kind of old world of feuds and hidden secrets. And obviously the heavy emphasis of religion means a lot of stuff is kept under wraps and people don't necessarily talk about things that we would talk about day to day. So you do get a sense of that, but also the actual nature of the landscape is very puckered and kind of folded and it's all mountainous. And, and that seemed to kind of mirror the fact that the people seemed very, I mean, on one level, they obviously enjoy the bounty that all this tourist trade brings. But on another level, they're seeing their island, their culture, their actual traditions kind of being replaced by cheap pizza places and all that. And, you know, no one likes that. So... So I think I tried to look at the book, that kind of very double-edged sword where you need something to survive. And yet that's something that you need to survive is also the very thing that stops your culture from surviving and your kind of identity. And I think that would lead to a kind of a kind of shrouded kind of behavior, not necessarily two-faced, but just a kind of behavior where, yes, you have to treat the tourists well. But at the same time, you know, they're killing your island, your culture. And in the passage you read, which listeners can hear on the Faber website, you describe the Black Monastery, which is the literal and metaphorical centre of the book, and the layers of history that that contains. And that's obviously important to you. I always start a book with landscape. It's always, it was Amsterdam that gave me the idea for the plot of Devil's Playground. It was being in Greece, as I explained, that gave me the idea for the plot of the Black Monastery. And part of what I'm sensitive to in landscape is this kind of layering of history which we get very much in Europe you always have this sense I mean you walk around London and you see buildings and you see signs of kind of the what happened before and the way they've been renovated but it's always present and kind of buildings like cultures work as a kind of palimpsest where however much you try and erase the traces of what went before they're always going to be there and they're always going to be readable and for me that makes it much more interesting because in a way a novel and in a way especially a crime novel deals with that because it's always the past intruding on the present and lives as palimpsest where kind of old feuds old histories old resentments seemingly up under the surface but actually are right there bubbling and just need one little thing to break through and then explode into the present tell me about the character of nikos the policeman who's i suppose a sort of moral center of the book and also has very strong relationship to the island and to the island's past. For some reason, I always find myself writing about ageing detectives now. And kind of, I'm interested in people looking back on their lives and wondering what choices, what things led them to where they are now. How certain decisions they made 20, 30 years ago that seemed totally inconsequential at the time actually diverted their life totally. So Nikos is someone who grew up on the island. He was born there. He was actually there serving as a policeman in the mid-70s as a rookie when he started out. And then he leaves and goes to Athens, the mainland, and stays there for 20, 30 years. He's persuaded back to the island by his chief in Athens. I think for him, it's a way to kind of reassess his whole life. I think going to Athens has meant that he is a kind of He's kind of tossed away in a way that kind of 
all the events that happened to him in the mid-70s on Palasos, the island, and kind of tried to restart his life. But, of course, we can't ever do that. Our pasts are always there. The consequences of our previous actions will always be with us. I think subconsciously, he goes back to the island because he realises he's left things undone, that things need to be squared up. He knows it's his last job before retiring, and he is determined to square up these things that keep him awake all night, both for the island and for himself. But I don't think he realises at the time he accepts this. Only later, in retrospect, can he see his real reasons. Without giving too much away, Stav, can you say a little bit about, you, you mentioned Palimpsest, and it seems there's a sort of <coughs> folding over of time here, and mm. events seem to be repeating themselves from the, from the early 70s. There's a bunch of murders happening at the moment which seem to perhaps be copycats of a series of cult murders that happened in 1974 on the island. I'm very interested in the doubling up of events both in Black Monastery and Devil's Playground and through history and the way certain things take on different resonances depending on their context. I think it's partly again to go back to the fact that you can't have a shrug off the past the past will come back to haunt you. Obviously, I've taken a certain literary license in kind of making it so similar. But I think we see that in our lives. I think that's how we kind of see things. And we do see things in the context of things we've done before or left undone before. And I am interested in doublings and twins. And so there are a lot of twinnings of characters, of events, events that happened before that seem to happen again, events that seem to happen that have happened before i just think it makes for more interesting density and textual kind of um strength to the book to give it that kind of layering and again it's the kind of metaphor the palimpsest is a good metaphor i think for novel writing where you are layering past and present even if you're writing a story in the totally in the present tense it's always the characters have their past with them one of the doublings you have is crime novelists not one but two crime novelists mm -hmm. are among the central protagonists of the book and that allows you i suppose to ask questions about really what you're doing doesn't it about because there's a there's a mm. subtle running thread about looking for patterns and whether there are patterns or whether it's all randomness mm. which must preoccupy you as yeah. a crime writer very much so i think i'm learning to see that my the things i'm most interested in when i'm writing tend to be representations of violence Devil's Playground kind of looked at how we look at the Holocaust through its representations. This time, I was kind of more interested in how we write about crime. And I'm very interested in how we're, on one level, we abhor crime and we say how disgusting it is and violence and how horrible it is and we turn our eyes away. And yet all our entertainment, all our best-selling books and films are really violent, are normally crime stories. And so I wanted to look at that, to look at this kind of double sway of entertainment versus abhorrence and I thought crime novelist would be a good way to kind of dramatize this I also was really interested in the character of Kitty in someone who's been writing crime novels and been quite successful at it and suddenly is thrust into a real crime with real victims and realizing that actually everything she's written is very much this kind of gentrified construct and that she hasn't really looked into the after effects of crime, the way every violent act has an exponential effect that will go on through time. So I wanted to look at that. And then I had two writers because initially I was more interested in Jason as the unpublished writer and what someone would do 
when their dream was so kind of burning. As time went on and the book developed, I actually became more interested in Kitty. And again, going back to how a crime writer deals with a real crime and how she suddenly realises the kind of real pain and all that, and how she then tries to put that into her own work. So the doubling of the two, apart from being interesting in terms of plot and character, was really a way to look at how I think, you know, as crime novelists, we look at the murders, but we don't look at the effects of the murders on peoples. And I was really interested in that. And I was interested in how a writer in a book would then actually verbalise that or would look at that. And that ties back to your things about patterns and signs and whether the world is, pre, you know, whether everything is predestined or random or chance. We can't know. We can never know these things. We can only decide whether we want to make a pattern out of something or not. And as a crime novelist, obviously, you always choose to make a pattern because otherwise the plot falls apart. I wondered if in the character of Jason, who's kind of on the outside looking in at the beginning, if you were sort of remembering your own beginnings or how uh, some of your, your own feelings about, you know, wanting mm. to be an, on the inside. Very much so. I mean, Jason was very much almost like me, though obviously I didn't stalk a famous writer to a Greek island. Perhaps I should have done and, you know, I would have had a bit of fun. But Jason was looking at that desperation to succeed, to do well, and the way, especially these days in kind of modern tabloid culture, people will go to actual extreme ends to achieve pretty honourable results, but the means themselves tend to be a bit that. I also wanted to write about a character who is slightly questionable morally at the beginning, and it's mainly because of his cowardice, because he can't actually go up to Kitty and give her his novel that he follows her to Greece. So it's not really cowardice out of some bad thing, but out of one of his own failings and how he then tries to readdress that when he's in Greece, when he befriends her and when he realises the impact of what he's done and the consequences of that. And you mentioned that you wanted to look at the repercussions of crime and I really liked the way in which you really sort of took the lid off the pressure cooker that this island has been. There's been so much hidden and suppressed for the last 30 odd years and yet the impact of of these crimes under the surface has been really profound. As I said, it goes back to what I was saying about every act has unforeseen consequences. Even when we kind of try and understand everything, we'll never understand the whole kind of nature of an act and the way it will affect both people and a community at large. I was very interested in what this would do on a small community. I think something like this would happen in London we're kind of, on one level, we're totally overwhelmed by brutality and horror that it's just another day in the city. On another level, we don't have that sense of community and that sense of wholeness, which perhaps is good because when you do have that sense, you can only have it broken. When the kind of crimes that occur in the book occur in a small place, it does make people start questioning their beliefs, their values, their sense of community. It makes them look at themselves in a new way. And I wanted to look at the way that would go through two generations and the way it would affect a separate generation from the generation that was actually around during the actual acts themselves. 